loss helps us define our lives. By allowing our grief to matter, we discover our own strengths and embrace our authentic selves. Welcome to Good Grief with your host, Cheryl Jones. Get ready to be inspired, to create a deeper life, to make your time on Earth much more meaningful. Now, here is Cheryl Jones. Hello, I'm your host, Cheryl Jones, and I want to welcome you to Good Grief, where we talk each week about the transformations that can come from loss. Before we welcome our guest today, I want to announce a new partnership between Good Grief Radio and BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make professional counseling accessible, affordable, and convenient so anyone who's struggling with life's challenges can get help anytime, anywhere. Their therapists have years of experience, and their user-friendly matching tool provides you with someone who works with the particular issues you want to explore. You can also specify if you'd like a therapist who is a person of color or an LGBTQIA person. I've investigated their platform and services, and I'm very excited to partner with them. It's It's a good tool. My own work with clients and as a client myself shows me again and again the value of a partner in navigating change and making life better. We'll be talking about that today some more. And in these times, therapy online is the new normal. At least where I am in California, it's all online. If you go to betterhelp.com slash goodgrief, you can see for yourself and also receive a discount for your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash goodgrief. And please let me know what, how, what you think of the service if you do go ahead and use them. My guest today is Rabbi Daniel Cohen. Rabbi Cohen possesses a unique blend of authenticity, wisdom, and spiritual insight for contemporary society. He brings all of these qualities to his work as a mentor, guide, cheerleader, and motivator. His personal experience as a rabbi sharing hundreds of life-affirming moments from birth to death cultivating thousands of years of Jewish wisdom and as a husband and father of six daughters. Wow. Combined with this humor and humanity, provide him with a compelling narrative and navigational guide for your life. Rabbi Cohen served in the rabbinate for over 25 years and currently serves as senior rabbi at Congregation Agudath Shalom in Stamford, Connecticut the largest modern Orthodox synagogue in New England. He's also co-host with Reverend Greg Dahl of the nationally syndicated radio show, The Rabbi and the Reverend, Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. and evenings at 9 p.m. He speaks frequently on leading a life of legacy and is the author of the book, What Will They Say About You When You're Gone? Creating a Life of Legacy. Welcome, Rabbi Cohen. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Appreciate it. It's it's very good to have you as well. Uh, I found your book inspiring. It it uh, you know it's a a little bit of a challenge even for those of us like me who are pretty resilient and able to face challenges. Keeping our energy up in these COVID times can be a little bit of a of a uh, chore. So thank you yeah. for the inspiration. My pleasure. Um, so let's talk about the, the heart of the book to start out with, the idea that in, in uh, thinking about how we'd like to be remembered, we get a sense of how we would like to live. And of course, that's very 
that concept is so dear to me because it was in facing death that I found my calling. Mm-hmm. Um, but could you talk a little bit about how you came to uh, kind of go to the bottom line that way? How you how you came to think of helping people find their calling and their their best self uh, through. Uh, uh, kind of imagining their legacies? Yeah, for sure. I would say for me, it stems from both a personal experience and professionally as well. Um, I always grew up, to my parents' credit, with a great sense of the significance of life. You know, when I was growing up in Atlanta, my uh, father would always uh, talk to me about what are you here for, a sense of purpose. My mother, a blessed memory, was somebody who when you asked her how she was doing, she would say, thank God. She lived with a great sense of joy. He said, I have six daughters. I'm also the oldest of six. So sometimes our house was really crazy. I never really <laughs> got it, but people would call our house and my mom would answer, hello, Grand Central Station, because it was crazy. I didn't know what that was like. Um, but then they would ask her how she was doing and she had such a love of life. She would say, thank God, fantastic. And I grew up with that sense, but I would say what really unfortunately uh, was my confrontation with mortality in a much more unfortunate and sad way was my mother passed away from a brain aneurysm when she was 44 years old. I was on vacation in Florida on winter break from school at Yeshiva University in New York at my mom's parents' house without a care in the world. I came up from the pool and I got the worst phone call of my life that my mother had a brain aneurysm. She had a second brain aneurysm. She went into a coma. And within 48 hours, she passed away. And in that moment, I really learned that life can change in an instant Hmm. and that life is so fragile. And I had my own, I would say, grappling with, you know, faith and understanding that in that moment, there was an opportunity to either reject God and realize or think that my mother's death was an accident or somehow muster the strength to recognize that I may not understand and I'll never understand why it happened, but I need to somehow find some sort of meaning and live a life of greater purpose. And I live that way. And then I would say what really struck home for me was when I turned the same age as my mother. I was around 20 when my mom passed away. And I always thought my mother was young, but then when I got to that same age of 44, it really hit home. And that's when the genesis of this book started. I said to myself, am I doing the most that I can with the life that God has given me to help realize my divine potential every day and make the world a better place. And that started this odyssey for me. And I would say that in my professional life, I realized also that, you know, everybody will have these moments, you know, whether it's the moment I call it after 9-11, you know, when everybody really focused on what was truly important or the premise of the book is you're at a funeral And in that moment, you say to yourself as you're walking out, what are they going to say about me? You know, maybe I'm going to spend a little more time with my family or what's really important. And as they say, there's no atheist in a foxhole. But then about 15 minutes later, we go back to life as usual. We answer Mm -hmm. the emails, the phone calls until the next awakening. And I truly believe that life is not meant to be a highlight film. And I see it as my life mission, as I've tried to do myself, is help people identify when they're healthy, when they're well, what is your best self? What is the kind of life you want to lead? And then I've developed seven principles to reverse engineer our lives so we lead that life now. 
this would be a great moment because it refers to that that concept that life is not meant to be a highlight film uh if you could share a little bit from the beginning of your book from the uh i believe it's in the introduction uh yes it is yep um we all experience moments when we gain clarity of mind and purpose and yearn to lead our lives a little bit fuller and better but how long does that inspiration last life isn't meant to be a highlight film as a rabbi i often get calls from people right before they're about to go to the hospital and they say, Rabbi, pray for me. I believe in God. I want to come to services. But once the crisis is resolved, they go back to who they were to life as usual. As a great mystic once said, my job in life is not to resurrect the dead. My job in life is to resurrect the living. How many times do we walk through life and wonder where the time went? Time can't be stopped. How do we live life with that higher frequency, with that sense that every day is important? You know, we're in a particular moment in human history where um, many people, not everyone, but many people are quite aware of how fragile life is mm -hmm. uh, because of the fact that this life-threatening um, pandemic has pushed through many people's denial and but I did I did notice, uh, you know, I live. Obviously, this show keeps me honest about the fact that we die, because <laughs> I, I'm thinking That's about it every good. single day. It's yeah. very it's a very good touch point. Um, but I noticed that after a while, my clients were not taught. They talked about that a lot at the beginning. Right. Yep. And then after a while, I was finding myself bringing it up. <laughs> because <laughs> things were getting back to the same old daily stuff, right? Uh, well, that's we, not everyone is taking yeah. advantage of what we're up against here. Have you found that to be true yourself? Yeah, I mean, I would say what we're seeing is, again, and by the way, it depends, I think, a lot on where you're living in America right now. In other words, For you sure. know, in the uh, New York area, we had that moment in March and April when it was just, you know, so intense and you know, when things begin to open up again and we try to resume life as normal, um, you know, everybody is kind of seeking that normalcy. But I also believe that just because life may go back to some level of normalcy doesn't mean the goal of this time was simply to survive. And I'll tell that to people. I said, our goal in life and in this pandemic is not just to stay healthy and survive. Of course, that's critical. We can't do anything else without being healthy. But then the question is, how do we thrive? How do we use this moment when we did confront our mortality, when our priorities were reoriented, when we understood what was truly important and saw silver linings in our life? Like, for example, mm -hmm. spending a little more time with family and realizing that acts of kindness can make eternal impact. How do we carry that with us so that when we look at this time, God willing, in the rearview mirror, we will have truly changed? Um, and I do talk to a lot of people about that because I think um, this is a moment when I can't tell anybody else why this is happening, but there's not a single person who's listening here who cannot and should not look inside themselves and say, you know what, I need to learn something from this. Maybe I need to be a little more other-centered, a little less self-centered. Maybe I need to spend time. And if each one of us takes a heartfelt look to try to align 
our bodies with our souls and our sense of life purpose, then we all can emerge from this moment with the world truly being a better place. I so agree with that. And, and also, uh, what happens for many people I talk to is that um, they imagine that if they face up to the fact that we die, they'll live in fear. But, but I've found quite the opposite for myself, that facing up to the fact that we die uh, released me from fear. Yeah, I mean, I think... And I wonder if that's your experience as well. What I would say is that, um, and there's an idea like this in Judaism, I'm sure in other faiths as well, that one has to always be cognizant that this day may be a person's last. Now, I don't see that as, oh my gosh, now I'm going to be filled with anxiety and I can't function, but it does help clarify the mind to say, you know what, the notion of wasting time and killing time is so antithetical to a life of meaning. And if me being aware of my mortality can hopefully inspire me to be a little more forgiving, to be a little more kind, to be a little more thoughtful and authentic and honest, I can look back on my life and say, you know what? Only God knows how many years we're going to live, but each one of us can determine what we do with our days. And that to me is so important because, you know, there's also just one other point, a beautiful phrase in the Bible that says the most holy of people didn't only have length of years, but length of days. Mm. Because what do you do with your days? That's what you can do. You know, nobody knows. My sure. mother only lived 44 years, but she certainly was a person who led a life of legacy um, in every single one of them. She was a huge pebble in the pond of lots of people's lives, wasn't she? I, I, could, tell from, I could tell from reading about her. Yeah. That does bring up something I had a question about, though, because uh, one of the things I end up working with people a lot on is self-criticism basically we're not doing enough being enough producing enough <laughs> living life well enough you know yeah. and and actually that really stops people i find and used to stop me i don't get too caught up in that anymore but uh we need we need to also not be productive all the time would you agree and what is the balance point in your mind for kind of uh, a good day, you know, how much of being, being kind of, uh, you know, in open time or yeah. how much production? By the way, I first have to say, by the way, Cheryl, you're asking a very thoughtful question. So uh, kudos to you for that, because, oh, you're, um, you're you know, a couple of that. things that come to mind, you know, King David writes in the book of Psalms that our cup should overflow with blessing. And what that means is, is that in order for our cup to overflow, our cup has to be full. And that means that we have to take care of ourselves. We have to make sure that we rest, that we relax, that we eat well, that we exercise, that we are spending time in our own personal meditation and in developing ourselves. Because we can only be a light unto the rest of the world if we ourselves are on fire and at peace and with a mm -hmm. sense of focus. My I would say recommendation is that whatever we do should be intentional, should be mindful. doesn't mean that I'm not going to relax and watch a movie or take a walk. Those are all good things. But everything, as somebody said, moderation, everything in moderation except for moderation. In other words, you've got to find a way. Look at your week. Somebody said to me, don't look at your week as 24. 
Don't look at 24 hours. Look at 168 hours, which is the amount of hours in a week. Look at your life that way and say, okay, what are my highest priorities? And then it's a real good way, I would say, to create a little better life, work, health, meditative, spiritual balance. Um, and it's really important. I mean, if we're giving out all the time but not nurturing ourselves, um, then we're going to be missing out. But again, it has to be authentic. It has to be honest. And the truth is we have to be our own best judges of that. Nobody else can tell us. Sometimes we do go to people that will help guide us. But we need a mixture of both, 100%. And it's, and it's very individual and unique. I, I, I agree with you. For instance, I, I could almost guarantee that you have a very high level of energy. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm blessed with that. I'll tell you about yeah, that. I do. As, That's true. As did my mother, actually. I'm not blessed with quite that level of energy. Mm-hmm. And so I, you can't compare yourself, right? And yet I, I yeah. was, uh, someone recently, I was on a, um, you know, I was interviewed on a, sh- on a television thing and um, she read everything I'd done and somebody put in the chat, you know, um, when do you sleep? And I was like, well, I don't do all that at once. Yeah. <laughs> you know, some of it I did a long time ago and it ended, you know. Right. So within my day, there has to be some empty space. That's just how yeah. I how yeah. I am. Well, by the way, I mean, I guess we're, I think we're about to end this segment, but I'll share something with you in the next segment about what I call renewable energy, which I do think is something we all can access. Yes, I think that would be very uh very good. And before we end this uh, segment, I, I also want to just appreciate your seven principles, which I'm sure we'll also talk about more. Discovering Elijah moments. I really want to get that in because it, I love that. I love that idea. Making courageous choices, seizing meditative moments, creating memories, finding faith, living inspired, and discovering your renewable energy. The last on the list is the first. Yes. <laughs> so let's talk about all that when we get back. Great. And listeners, you'll find links to my website and social media at the Good Grief page at Voice America. You know what's there, liking me on Facebook, following me on Twitter, etc. And you can sign up for my email list. To find Rabbi Cohen, go to www.rabbidanielcohen.com. Be back soon. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com goodgrief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. This is Good Grief host Cheryl Jones. Whether you're in grief, crisis, deep loss, or transition, working with the right therapist can move you forward like nothing else. That's why I'm happy to be sponsoring BetterHelp. Their user-friendly platform connects you with a therapist uniquely suited to support you. If you want to know more, follow the link on my host page or go to betterhelp.com goodgrief. That's betterhelp.com 
com slash good grief and receive a 10% discount for the first month. What sets apart voiceamerica.tv from the other video content providers on the internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main voiceamerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Be sure to like the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel on Facebook. You'll find great health tips from the experts. Find out more about your favorite shows and talk back to our team. Search Voice America Health or click the like button under the player today. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back. This is your host, Cheryl Jones, and I've been talking with Rabbi Daniel Cohen about his work helping people create legacies that that uh, also help them live in thinking about how they'd like to be remembered, uh, really coming in touch with how they'd like to be living. And before the break, we were talking about uh, some of the, the principles that you embody in your book, and you mentioned you had some some tips for me about renewable energy. So I'd love to start there and then maybe okay. move on to some of those other principles. That's the one I'm I'm definitely focused on these days. Yes, well, I mean, first of all, I, I, when we, and this is to me one of the keys, you know, there was a woman actually who was a mentor of mine. She passed away a number of years ago. Her name was uh, Rebetzin Esther Younggrice. They called her the Jewish Billy Graham in the 1970s. She brought together thousands of people to renew their faith. And she was uh, filled with energy and she would always go speak and she always had time. And I asked her, I said, where do you get this energy from? And she said to me three times a day, I pray and I say the following words from Isaiah, it's chapter 40. Those who have faith in God, their strength will be renewed. They will grow wings like eagles. They will run and not walk. They will not grow tired or weary. And what she said to me, and I truly believe, and I've talked to people, that when we feel that we are in this world and we are focused on doing things for ourselves, then we're going to run out of energy really fast. Hmm. But if we know that we are here for a higher purpose, I believe, and I think I'm sure you do too, that I'm here to help make the world a better place. I'm here to be God's ambassador on earth. I'm here to seek God in every human being. I'm here to spread that light. And I'm here to, again, be that agent. And somebody said to me, think about this for a moment. Let's say somebody hires you to work in their garden. This is actually from the book of Psalms where King David says, God says, cast your burdens on me and I will support you. And the mystics explain that let's say you're working at a garden. You say to the guy who's hired you, I need the hoe. I need the lawnmower. I need this. I need that. I need food. They'll say to you, whatever you need, I will do for you because you're not just tilling that garden for yourself. You're doing it for me. And when we recognize that, 
I have found that you find strength in so many places. People come into your life that are there to give you strength and you are filled with renewed energy and purpose. And it's amazing. If you look at people that have done extraordinary things in life, it's usually that they felt some sort of higher calling, higher purpose, and they move outside their comfort zone into their growth zone. And they see every day, not as a burden or as a blessing. They see it as a blessing. Um, Zig Ziglar would say, and I think he understood it too. He'd say, when you wake up in the morning, you hear the alarm clock. Do you see it as an alarm clock and go snooze, snooze, snooze? Or is it an opportunity clock? And you wake up and say, wow, I have 16, 17 hours today. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like, you're just like on fire because you truly see it as a gift. And I think when we bring God into the equation, it, uh, it really gives us the faith and the strength uh, to just be so uh, on fire uh, to really accomplish so much. Yes, and how we define that, I've, I've seen over time. The person, one of the people in my life, a teacher of mine, who calls himself an atheist, but he has the strongest sense of himself as an, as an agent of service of almost anybody I know, um, I don't know what it is that he sees as inspiring that, but he has that quality you're talking about, even though, mm. <laughs> you know, and then there are people I know from so many different traditions, but the people I know with the most um, sense of purpose are people who connect with something beyond themselves. Could we, yeah. could we kind of put it that way? I think so. And I think part of it also is something which I reflect on in the book that, too many times people define themselves based on their roles and not their souls. Mm. In other words, you know, when you cultivate or we cultivate a life that's not defined by my job, you know, what do you do? Well, I'm an accountant, I'm a lawyer, I'm this, I'm that. That's not who you are. That's just what you do. And I think when we fill ourselves with a sense of my overall purpose here is to build relationships, is to emulate God, to be a person who's bringing a little more of that light into the world, whatever role that I'm in, I can fulfill that. And I think also um, in different times of our life, the roles may be different, but the goals are the same. It's just how we do it. And I think that also gives a person a greater sense of resiliency, fortitude, adaptability, joy, because they're not defining themselves by how somebody else sees them. Well, I didn't get a promotion. I must not be good. It has nothing to do with that. <laughs> if in whatever position that you're in, you know, maybe one door closes because God believes that you can be a better conduit for his light going through another door. And that's a really healthy attitude to have because then we're not lamenting and living our life with regret. We're living our life with a sense of joy and purpose and impact. I've been thinking about and talking a lot about what creates a life in which you can say, okay, that door's closed. Where is the next open door? I'm so relevant right now because mm -hmm. uh, for many people, there's a lot of closed doors at the moment. Um, but I've noticed that people are starting to open doors. I know it's uh, right away certain things happened like all my musician friends started doing concerts online for free uh -huh. they had to make music yes <laughs> <laughs> even if they couldn't make a, a record they had to make music yeah. you know um, so that that really distilled what their uh, 
what their conduit was. Mm -hmm. They were going to fulfill that purpose no matter what it looked like. And I think that's part of what you're talking about. And that does connect with uh, this next thing I'd like you to share from the book, the, the idea of living inspired. Sure. Uh, sure. I love the word inspired. It's one of my favorite words. So if you could uh, share some about that. Me too. Shall read a little bit and then we can talk. So um, deep down, we wish we could live every day as if it were our last. We want to live with urgency every day. We don't want to let our lives go by so quickly, but want to live with deep joy and inspiration. How do we exude a sheer joy for the gift of life? How do we live with heightened spiritual sensitivity? How do we tune into a greater frequency? And how can we avoid wasting time so we are driven to greatness and experiencing God's glory? I think we're beginning to answer that question some, somewhat. In uh, I was interested in the book how you differentiated between uh, purpose and mission. Yes, okay. well, I mean, that's something related a little bit to what I spoke before because, you know, this notion of um, I may have a certain purpose in the particular role that I'm in, but my mission is no matter what my role is, is again, to be that conduit and to lead my best life. And I would say, become the best version of myself. And part of that, just to go back now to the living inspired is recognizing that every day is truly a gift. I mean, one of the things that um, is so important is to recognize that, you know, time can be fleeting or time can be eternal. It's whether or not we see the opportunities in a particular moment. Mm. Some people live their life with what I call Paul McCartney disease and some with Annie disease. <laughs> you know, Paul McCartney disease, you ask them how they're doing and all they could say is, yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. And they live with regret. I would have, I could have, I should have. And then you talk to other people and say, how are you doing today? And they say, well, tomorrow, things will be better tomorrow but they're missing the moment right now. And really, that is what I would say one of the greatest um, challenges and opportunities we have in this COVID moment. You know, I think a lot about a book called Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl, which I'm a huge fan of. Yes. Um, he was a um, survivor of the Holocaust and really tried to help understand how some people emerged from the horrors with a greater sense of faith and purpose and others that unfortunately lost their faith. And he developed a theory, as you know, called logotherapy. And his point was, was that we are never going to get an answer of why something happened, but we have the freedom to choose in this moment how we're going to respond to this moment and whether or not we're going to try to grow and do something positive in this moment. And that, to my mind, is the essence of really staying inspired because no day is random. When I wake up in the morning, there's two things that I say. Number one is I say, thank God I'm a country boy. Just kidding. And I say, um, <laughs> I'm a big, okay. I say, thank God I'm alive, right? And I can move and I can talk and I can walk. In fact, Judaism says, actually, I don't know if you knew this, by the way, there's a blessing that we make after to go to the bathroom. Did you know that? I do because I read your book. There you go. I, mean, you don't be, <laughs> I didn't you know don't, that before, I mean, and I th you, I highly you, approve. <laughs> well, you don't you don't even have to be Jewish to say this blessing. I mean, from somebody myself that had a kidney stone, it's amazing. One little speck can wreak havoc, 
Absolutely. And when you make that blessing after you go to the bathroom and all you need to say, I'm talking to all your listeners, whatever background, you say, thank God what's open is open and what's closed is closed and everything <laughs> is working properly. That's I mean, a good one. it a is. Good and then one. I'm going to take that one. <laughs> you should, you should. Then you live life by Abraham Joshua Heschel said, you live life with radical amazement. Everything is amazing. Everything is wondrous. Everything is beautiful. But it takes training to do that. And when I think about that, I say, wow, this is great. I have this. And then in the morning, go ahead. Well, it, I, I'm thinking, too, it's a matter of attention. For instance, yes. there's so much we're blocked from where I am in Oakland, California right now. However, um, my children, when, when uh, shelter in place happened, suddenly their gaze was on us mm. and my youngest child who is 27 uh ended up coming home for almost three months she and her boyfriend lived with us mm -hmm. that would never ever have happened <laughs> you That's know true. <laughs> i mean it was so counterintuitive but it was so beautiful yeah and um the the ways in which we took care of each other uh, were, were remarkable for this culture at that age. Yeah. No, um, so that was a blessing. That is a blessing. And, you know, I think in this moment, particularly to reflect on that gift and the gift of every single breath we take is really important. I'm going to share something with you now that's very mystical, but I think I think about this a lot. Um, King David says at the very end of the Psalms that we have to recognize that literally every breath we take, and this is the other thing that I say in the morning, is God blowing in us, saying, I believe in you, you're here for a purpose, I love you, there's something special for you to accomplish today that was different than yesterday and that was different than tomorrow. And that simple meditation and mindfulness really creates a mindset of today being something really potentially amazing if i take these moments there's a story about a man from italy who recovered from covid he's in his 90s thank god he recovered and he was on his way out of the hospital and they gave him a bill for five thousand whatever the amount was five thousand dollars or the equivalent for the use of a ventilator for one day everything else was covered mm. and he started to cry on his way out of the hospital and the doctor said to him are you crying because you can't afford this? I'll pay for this if you need. He said, I'm not crying because I can't pay for it. He said, but I've been breathing God's air for the last 93 years of my life. And I never really realized how much I owed him. Huh. And now I'm paying $5,000 simply for one day's gift of breath. What a wise man. Yeah. And, um, you know, when we think about it that way, it does heighten our, heighten our sense for sure uh, of, of what I call living inspired. It also circles us back to what you call Elijah moments, because that doctor, in a very impulsive way, right? Yeah. Uh, on the spot said, I'll pay for it. If that's why yes. you're crying, I'll pay for it. Right. Uh, that is yeah. a big Elijah moment. So can that's you talk true. about that? Because of all of your principles, um, that's the one that people might not quite get. 
and and I love sure. the I love the feeling of it. I love the yeah. I love the um, truth of it. Yep. So I'll give you the premise. Um, is you know what I call is really the standing room only phenomenon at a funeral, where you're at a funeral and there may be somebody who's there, and if you could ask the deceased who that individual was, they wouldn't remember, or the family also wouldn't know. But they're there because of one moment in time, that individual made a difference in that person's life. And I call it the Elijah moment based on the prophet Elijah, who's kind of known to come into people's lives to, you know, be there to lift them up. And it's based on a beautiful story about a person who said to his uh, mentor, I want to see Elijah the prophet. And the mentor said to him, if you want to see Elijah the prophet, go into the forest. There's a widow there with children. And if you spend the weekend there, I promise you'll see Elijah the prophet. So he goes there Friday night, Saturday, no Elijah, comes back Sunday morning, and he says to his mentor, you promised me I would see Elijah the prophet. The mentor turns to him and says, I want you to take food again to the widow and her children. I promise you'll see Elijah the prophet. He goes Friday afternoon. He's within earshot of the widow's home, and he hears a young child crying out to the mother. And the young child says to the mother, Mommy, where are we going to get food from for this Sabbath? And the mother turns to the child and says, just like Elijah came last week, Elijah's going to come again. Hmm. And it was in that moment that he realized that he was the Elijah that this woman was waiting for. The Elijah moment means that we may not be able to change the world, but each and every one of us can change the world of one person one day at a time. No encounter is random. And if we realize that we can be there for that person at that time, we potentially can create a lasting impact. You know, I think about a story I asked a woman when I was speaking up in West Hartford, tell me about one of your most inspiring moments in your life. And she said to me, well, I was at a supermarket in West Hartford getting out of my car and out of the corner of my car, I saw an elderly man with orthopedic shoes getting out of his car. And I saw that his shoes were untied. And I went over to him and I asked him if I could help him tie his shoes. And she said, I bent down. And as she said this, she began to cry. She said, I felt in that moment, it was one of the moments in my life that I felt closest to God. Mm-hmm. And I said to her, it was your Elijah moment. You know, Mark Twain says the two most important days of our lives are the day when we're born and the day when we understand why. And if in that moment, she may never see this person ever again. It's like that doctor you said. He's not going to see that person. Right. But you'll never forget the kindness of that person. And imagine if we lived our life so that way, how so uplifting it could be. The biggest, one of the biggest ones I've experienced many, many moments on both sides of that equation. Mm-hmm. But what came to my mind as you were speaking was uh, right after my first wife died and I had two kids and I was self-employed. Um, and so you can imagine I'd had to take four months off mm. for the final part of her life. Yeah. I was broke <laughs> for sure. <laughs> and in the mail came an envelope from someone who I knew, but she wasn't a dear, deep, close friend. Mm-hmm. Um, but someone I liked and we had hung out together a little bit and I got a card from her and inside was a check for $500. And it wow. said, if this can allow you to take a little more time off, it will have mm-hmm. done its job. Now, wow. when, I, when I tell that story, 
I still cry. That yeah. was 25 years ago. Wow. That's... So that's that's an example. Yeah. And it's time for our second break. We'll come okay. back to Elijah again in a minute. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thank you. Uh, listeners, you can go to weatheringgrief.com or the Good Grief Hoach's page. And to find Rabbi Cohen, you can go to www.rabbidanielcohen.com. Back soon. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. To reach Cheryl or her guest today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Cheryl Jones at weatheringgrief.com. Now, back to Good Grief. Welcome back to Good Grief. I'm here with Rabbi Daniel Cohen, the author of What Will They Say About You When You're Gone? And I, I feel we have to go back to Elijah moments for just a, just a bit. I mean, it's such a beautiful um, thought. And, of course, uh, just a little bit does a lot right now, especially in places that are more closed down. Mm-hmm. Uh, when people um, text and ask how someone's doing, you know, there are all kinds of little little things to do. I know my principle in general is uh, do it when it calls me. Like if I think of someone, if someone comes to my mind, I try to reach out, you know, just very tiny things can qualify and mean quite a bit to the other person. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think that that's exactly really the basis of it is that even the smallest of gestures can have huge impact. And there's so many moments when if we don't seize them, I love what you said about when it calls you, you just seize it. Because how many times does something emerge inside of us? You say, you know what, I should call that person. I should email that person. That person really would love to hear from me. And then we just let it go. And then it just is out of our minds and out of our hearts. So actually, I want to try an experiment right now. Okay? Sure. Um, I want everyone who's listening right now, and obviously, I won't know this, but I'll trust you. Okay? (laughs) I want you to think of somebody in your life who made a difference in your life could be a teacher could be a friend could be somebody from 10 years ago 15 maybe from college that you you know never really got a chance to kind of reconnect with who made a difference in your life and i want you to write that down write that name down okay i see cheryl's writing down she's listening to me i I can tell okay (laughs) and then i want you to think of one other person not to whom, let's say, you want to reconnect, who was a mentor for you or a good friend, but somebody who you know could use another uh, pick-me-up or a kind word, or maybe somebody who's struggling right now. Maybe somebody's getting out of the hospital or 
somebody just lost a job or just, again, somebody needs something, a little words of strength. So write that name down. Yep. And now what I want you to do is we're going to take a 20 second break. And I want everyone who's listening right now to text or email that person right now. Okay. And I want you to let me know, you can go on my website at some point and let me know what comes of it. I've actually had people that have done this in front of, you know, over a thousand people. And so we say, you know, I always wanted to reconnect with this person. And I did it in this moment. And now our relationship is kind of back on track. So I'm going to be quiet for 10 seconds, 15. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> silence doesn't, doesn't work for too long on radio. I know it doesn't. Okay. We, I don't want to lose anybody here, but, I, here, but here's my deal, which is it's sometimes, by the way, you know, in those, in those moments, you know, and it could be something very simple, you know, which is, you know, this beautiful video. I don't know if you saw Johnny the bagger before. About no, a man didn't. who had um, Down syndrome, young man, and he would uh, bag people's groceries. And somebody came in from corporate and said, everybody needs to do a little bit more to be a little bit friendlier. So he went home and he said to his father, what can I do? All I am is a bagger. And his father said, you know what? Rather than just put food in the bags, why don't you come up with a quote of the day? I'll help you. Something that will lift people up. And don't only just put food in the bags, but get everybody a quote of the day. Well, lo and behold, Johnny's line became the longest line in the supermarket. And people would come to the supermarket just to get Johnny's quote. <laughs> and just oh, I love that. Very simple. <laughs> you know, and, yes. you know, it's interesting. I mean, and also when we put out that light, this to me is also amazing. We don't know where it's going to go. You know, we started something with a pastor and I, we have our radio show called the Elijah Moment Campaign. You can find it on Facebook. And we asked people to share their Elijah moments. And a woman wrote in, she said, I am a NODA, which is a no one dies alone volunteer. She said, we are with patients at the end of their lives who don't have loved ones available to be with them. We become their loved ones as they leave this world. She said, in September, I sat with a cognitively disabled man several times. At my first visit, he was awake and I fed him vanilla ice cream. By my last visit, he was heavily sedated and nearing the end of his life. I held his hand and somehow felt even more connected to this patient than I had to others I had sat with. A few weeks ago, I shared my experience with my family and found out that this gentleman's father was the doctor who delivered me in Stanford Hospital in 1956. His father was there to help my arrival into this world, and I was there to help his son's departure 58 years later. That was my Elijah moment. That's so moving to, to imagine myself into the experience of realizing that yeah. you know there's the experience of being there mm -hmm. with him and that would be quite moving and nobody nobody does that unless they're drawn to those moments right <laughs> it's yeah. too hard otherwise no, and, it's, it's true. It's true. <laughs> and then mean... and then to find out that detail of it that kind of circular motion uh, mm -hmm. Just is very moving to me. Yeah, and these, you know, particularly in this moment that we're experiencing in the world right now, you light one fire, you do one act, there's a ripple effect. You know, we started something in our community in March or April. Um, there's something called a mitzvah. A mitzvah is a kind deed or a really 
something that we do that God asks us to do. And we started a, um, a WhatsApp group, which is social media, um, called the Making Mitzvah Moments Group, where basically we mobilize people in real time if somebody needs something. You know, in the early days here, somebody needed to get to the pharmacy, somebody needed some help with something. So we created a community of kindness. And I shudder as I look back on it because there were so many acts of kindness that were ignited when the calling was there that it really helped people through a difficult time. And we each have an opportunity to do that, um, no matter what our economic background, no matter what our faith, um, just to spread a little bit more of that goodwill, which is what I call the Elijah moment. And it makes life so much more meaningful and so much more eternal. Absolutely. Would you like to share one other uh, piece from your book? Sure. As, as, our, as our time gets a little short? <laughs> yes, yes. Um, the Elijah moment or just any... Uh... Yeah, the Elijah moment would be sure. beautiful since okay, that's what course. we've been talking about so much. Yep, yep. Okay. So, um, sorry about this. The Elijah uh, moment really begins like this. What if we were to discover Elijah moments every day? When I walk into a coffee shop, my office or my home, I ask myself, what can I do in the next few minutes to make somebody's day? It's a vastly different way of looking at the world and one that will transform you and your surroundings. Discovering your Elijah moment will alter your perception of every encounter. Your day will not simply be about moving from one event to the other, but about harnessing the latent potential in every encounter to connect one soul to the next and to make a difference. And I don't think we should rule out that it's possible to do that with the closest people to us. For instance, when I'm working with couples, I'll often suggest that they make a habit of occasionally doing the thing for their partner that the partner always does. Um, with without being asked, I, I I think that's a mitzvah. Yes. Yes. yes exactly. <laughs> by the way, that's pretty good. You sound like you're a you sound by the way like you're a mitzvah expert. The way you said mitzvah, I like that. Oh, yes. My community is very diverse. Okay, many 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 Jewish friends near and dear to me. So okay, <laughs> yes, I know about mitzvahs for sure. And um. And I love that. I love when that happens for me mm -hmm. with my wife and I love doing it. Yeah. You know, uh, I couldn't sign on to certain tasks uh, indefinitely. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we divide things the way we do for a reason, but there's something yeah. about the other person doing it for you that is not only a gift, but makes you feel appreciated for what you do. Uh, and so, and that, that is sort of being seen and heard is, is at the heart of it for the receiver. Yes? Yeah, no, 100%. It really, you know, this notion that, you know, everybody is a world in and of themselves. And when somebody expresses and does a gesture for somebody else, it really, it's not, and this is also important, it's not only what you do, but it's the spirit that you do it with that really Absolutely. lasts such a long time. Like, you know, again... And they say, you know, the money is one thing, but how you make somebody feel in that moment is even more important than actually what you're giving them. 
because really that's something that even after the food is gone or the money is used, they'll never forget how you made them feel. And we know that having a lot of money or success or fame or whatever it is, does not necessarily naturally lead to generosity of spirit. No, I mean, one of the In fact, sometimes quite the opposite. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that I really, I would say, is throughout the book is uh, another idea in mysticism that every baby is born with its hands come out clenched. And when a person dies, their hands begin to open up. And that symbolizes literally what our mission is in this world. Some people, when they receive in this world blessings, their hands continue to stay closed. But our mission in life, no matter what our role is, is to open our hands up and take the blessings that God has given us and then share them with the world around us. And I truly believe that, again, going back to what we said before, when we're God's partners, God will continue to say, hey, you're using these blessings for good. I'll continue to supply. You're a great agent for me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I believe in you. I'm going to give you more accounts. You know? I'll give you more inventory because I I know that you're not putting it in the back. You're actually using this to help me. And and whether or not we receive more money, fame, whatever it might be, uh, it does lead to more happiness. Uh, The the bank account of my happiness uh, is, is based on the things I give by and large. 100%. 100%. Happiness is a byproduct of what we give to others. That's a really important principle. Well, we haven't really had time to deep dive on all the princ- all the other principles, so I hope people will go. Um, that they, They're a little more uh, uh, obvious, maybe, but I hope people will go actually uh, explore the way that you talk about keeping these principles alive in our lives. And I want to thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. My pleasure. And if anybody, of course, wants to, if something came of the Elijah moment that you did, or if I can be supportive of anybody, please go to my website. We'd love to stay in touch. And I truly yes, and am very that's, appreciative. That's RabbiDanielCohen.com. I hope they will. Thank you. Ne- You're welcome. Next week, I'll have Fran Solomon, founder of Heal Grief, an online platform for grief support. This has been Good Grief with Cheryl Jones. I look forward to being with you again next week for another meaningful conversation. Thank you so much for joining us for Good Grief. Please come back next Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time for another edition featuring your host, Cheryl Jones, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Have a meaningful week. (laughs) 